0: From the rolling mountains, to the lakes and valleys in the Midlands, to the low country and the beautiful coast, and even the Dee River area, and out towards the western cities nestled around Old 96. When it comes to South Carolina, there's so much to explore. So it's hard for me to play favorites among its different cities and towns. It's like every corner of the state has its own distinct flavor, its own color in a giant tapestry. And at the center of that tapestry, there's Columbia. Columbia attracts visitors from all over. They might be fans of the University of South Carolina's Gamecocks. They may be visiting for the great restaurant scene or for some adventure along nearby Lake Murray. It definitely feels like there's a secret sauce behind the city's reputation, a blend of culture, history, identity, and pride that visitors can't find anywhere else discover South Carolina presents the Palmetto porch a podcast featuring some of South Carolina's most charming towns and highlighting what makes them so special I'm Devin Whitmire all season long I'll be traveling through the Palmetto state interviewing locals who will share their own unique perspective on places to visit foods to try and insider travel tips these towns may be small but they are big on fun food and southern hospitality Maybe it's the location, maybe it's the art and music, maybe it's the beautiful campus of a certain famous university, but I can't deny it, there is something special about Columbia. People call it the Soda City, which may be a bit confusing, no, there's no soft drink involved. Soda City comes from an old abbreviation for the area, COLA. Nicknames aside, it's here where one of South Carolina's favorite residents started his artistic journey, Darius Rucker, an award-winning musician who needs no introduction. From his breakout success as frontman for Hootie and the Blowfish to his thriving solo career, Darius cites his life in Columbia as his inspiration. To learn more about the role the city played in his journey, I spoke with the man himself. Well, hey, Darius, it's good to see you again.
1: How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. That's good. good. Yes. So I just want to get started. You know, most of our listeners know who you are, but not all of them know where you come from. In what ways do you feel South Carolina has shaped you as an artist?
1: Oh, goodness. I mean, South Carolina has been so amazingly important to me as an artist, you know, being Southern and just being from here, being as laid back as I am, it's just it's it had so much to do with the music I listen to, the music I wanted to play. South Carolina is the reason I pretty much do everything is because I was born here. And, you know, it, it really affects everything I do in life. And and I love that because I think it's it's a cool place to live.
0: Yeah, you've written songs that encapsulate your experiences as a South Carolina native. Can you tell us a bit about how you create music that captures a place?
1: Oh, goodness. I have a tendency of every time when we you know, when I'm writing a song and, you know, we're about to sing about a place, for me it's got to be South Carolina. You know, I've always said that the way people know that Bruce Springsteen's from Jersey, I want them to know that I'm from South Carolina. I say it all the time. Great place for me, I love it, and it really, it's like I said, it comes into all parts of my life, but especially with music.
0: You started playing local bars and venues around USC, University of South Carolina. What was that like? Can you take us back?
1: I mean, it was fun. I would go back to that in a heartbeat. It was the four of us against the world. And, you know, it was great because there was such a great scene in the Carolinas. You know, you could go to Clemson and play quarterbacks. You could go out Pumphouse pump house up in Greenville. In Columbia, you had several balls in Charleston. You had the Windjammer and the music forum and all that stuff. And, and it was just a great scene. So uh, we had a lot of options we had a lot of places to play. And that made it great. That made it so good that you could go play the same bars every six weeks and, and do well. I think if we didn't have that scene in the way it was, we wouldn't have made it.
0: Yeah. So tell us about the music scene specifically in Columbia back then and, and maybe how it is now. Do you feel like it's changed a lot?
1: I think it's changed a lot. I, I think that whole uh, band bar in every college town has changed a lot. I don't know if there is a band bar down in Five Points anymore. <laughs> and, uh, it was awesome back in the day. It was just a bunch of bands. I think there was three bands on my hall. Yeah. I was a junior in college. So it was uh, a lot of bands, a lot of people playing music together. It was just music everywhere. If we weren't working on the weekends, we were going to see one of our friends play somewhere. And that was great. That was great, and, and it did a lot for us because it made us get better. Because you go see some other band and they're great, you're like, "Oh, we got to get better, we got to." So but I don't know if it's like that anymore, you know. But I know when we were there, bands were everywhere.
0: I think about this a lot with artists and performers who play a lot of the same songs. Is there a song that you play that still kind of takes you back to that time in Columbia?
1: This, yeah, every time I play "Let Her Cry," you know, every time I play "Let Her Cry," I'm like sitting in group therapy or sitting in Rockefellers or sitting in. Any of those places that we used to play all the time. Because I play that song in every one of them a million times. And so when I play that song, I do think about, you know, man, it's been a long time. I've been doing this a long time. Back in the day, it was pretty awesome.
0: Many people told Darius at the time, Columbia isn't the place, if you want to make it big. And that mindset is not surprising. When a person thinks about music, it's hard to ignore the bigger cities. New York, Los Angeles... But for Hootie and the Blowfish, that wasn't an option. They pushed back against those words.
1: We just didn't believe that. We we thought we could make it out of Columbia. And so we stayed there and we made it. And I think a lot of bands now, or people who start playing music will say, will think, you know, well, you know, those guys made it. Why can't I?
0: What kind of impact do you hope to have on younger artists?
1: Sure, you hope that some band somewhere right now playing and Wanting to sound like you, even though they sound nothing like you, you've influenced them for a sound. That's great. But the real influence and the impact I think we had was for these kids to look around when they're playing in bands and go, man, these guys came from exactly the same place I, I did. And it was harder to get your music out back then because there wasn't any internet or anything. And we made it. I think now with the internet and everything, I hope people are staying at home or staying in Columbia or staying in Charleston and going, okay, let's do this from here.
0: What? What types of changes do you think could help foster new talent in South Carolina?
1: Oh, goodness gracious. I haven't even thought about anything like that. South Carolina is pretty good about nurturing talent, I think. When somebody is good or something, this state and people in the state seem to be good at at letting them know they're great and trying to help them. I just think if more bars that that had bands opened up, I think it would help because then you have places to play. I I think it would help if, you know, somebody starts a nice little record label here and starts signing people and seeing what happens. Mostly just keep, people that want to play, go keep playing, go play. It would be great if they had more places to play around than South Carolina.
0: When I listen to Darius, I can hear how much he loves his home state and how much it means to him to find so much success without having to leave it behind. There are things in places like Columbia that keep people passionate, including Darius. Things like dive bars, hidden gems, and of course, Gamecock football. So you've been asked this before, but what do you like to do when you're in Columbia, when you go back and visit your college town?
1: My favorite thing to do is go to college football games. I go back to a lot of games. I'm mean, at uh, a lot of games. When I go there, I like to go with my friends and we still like to go on the five points or go to the Vista and, and, and have some drinks. Well, yeah, you know, I still go to the zoo. I'll still do a day trip and go to the zoo. I've even been down to the House. There's so much cool stuff to do in Columbia. And when I'm there, I try to do some, at least some of it.
0: Yeah. Is there anywhere in particular you go when you're feeling a little bit nostalgic?
1: Uh, group therapy. <laughs> that place was there, I think, 15, 20 years before I got there. I've been there 25 years, 30 years since I left. It's just something about that bar that when I step in there, it's like I'm back. Live a back. Living in more dorm and, and walking in and trying to get in before the line. It's just it's, it's a cool place.
0: Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about Group Therapy for our listeners who maybe don't know that bar. What what are they going to experience when they walk in?
1: It's a dive bar. It's a dive bar that plays great music. It was great back in the day. There was always a line. Actually, I went the other day when I was there for the football game and it was a line. It's just a place that a bunch of college kids and young adults hang out and like to have a beer and listen to some great music. And it's just a great hang. Group is, is a dive bar that's a great hang.
0: I was interested in how Darius would spend a day in the Soda City. As a dad, I want to know, is there anywhere in the city that's particularly great for kids? I know you mentioned the zoo, but anywhere you love to take your kids when they were growing up in Columbia?
1: The zoo was always a big thing. But the really cool thing about Columbia is there's so many parks everywhere. Even if... I want to go down on campus and go to the horseshoe stuff. There's so many parks everywhere and, and things to do and places to run and play. And yeah, it's a great place to raise kids because there's tons of stuff to do.
0: Say you're bringing a friend to the area, maybe to a Carolina game, and they haven't ever been to Columbia. What are your like top three things that you would like for them to do for the day?
1: Oh, goodness. What a great question. First of all, I walk around the campus just because I think it's an amazingly beautiful campus, University of South Carolina. I think it's amazingly beautiful. The zoo, like we said before, is always an option. Dinner, there's so many great restaurants. in the Vista. And Five Points, too. There's so many great restaurants. You know, you have dinner and, and you know, I mean, go to the game, of course. Then let's go out and have some fun after the game.
0: <laughs> and as for his thoughts on Columbia and South Carolina as a whole... Darius says things are changing. The area is growing. But to him, that's not a bad thing.
1: If somebody said to me the other day when we were talking about South Carolina growth, they were like, you know, you sit there and complain about it, but you're part of the problem because all you do is go around and talk about how great South Carolina is. As a guy who was born and raised here, of course, when you're in traffic or something, you think to yourself, why you got all you people here? But uh, I love it. I love that people are coming here, visiting and going, oh, I got to move there because it's that great of a place.
0: What do you hope visitors take away from their time in Columbia or in South Carolina?
1: Uh, I hope they leave and say I want to come back. I hope they have so much fun and do so many cool things that they go, I want to visit there again. I want to go back and do more because I didn't get to do everything I wanted to do. That's what I hope they take away from that
0: when they are. I left the conversation with Darius feeling pretty great about Columbia and more than a little proud. Hearing him talk about his humble beginnings there made me wonder about other notable people from the area. Who were they? And how has Columbia made an impact beyond the city limits? I wanted to find out more. Robin Waits is the Executive Director of Historic Columbia, and she joined me for a chat about Columbia's long and fascinating history. Robin, welcome to the Palmetto Porch. I'm so glad to have you today. Thanks, Devin. I'm glad to be here. Love it. Just to get us started, I'd, I'd love it if you could just share a little bit about yourself with our listeners.
2: Well, I am born and raised in Columbia, South Carolina. I went away to school into the northeast, and it was just too cold. So I um, <laughs> I came back to the to the Palmetto State, started my undergraduate or my graduate degree rather at the University of South Carolina. So I am a Gamecock. Yes, and then went on to work at the South Carolina State Museum, and from there moved to Historic Columbia, where I have been as executive director for the last eighteen years.
0: So let's talk just a little bit more about Columbia history and maybe start with the basics. Can you share with our listeners how Columbia was founded? Yeah. So Columbia was
2: founded in 1786, and it was actually the second capital city of South Carolina. The first was Charleston. Mm -hmm. Um, There was some folks who felt like Charleston was too far away as communities began to grow in the upstate in particular. They wanted a more central location for the seat of government. And Columbia just happens to sit on a fall line, which is Mm -hmm. a place in the river where it becomes unnavigable by a boat. And so essentially you would have to get out of your boat if you're coming from Charleston to go a little bit north. So it's this sort of perfect location for a stop in the road. As folks know, I think it's the dead center of the state. And so people saw that as a great compromise, I think, to move it into that place so that everybody could have equal representation.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that. and But I have always loved that unique thing, especially when I tell people where I live, because I'm in the Columbia area, like right smack dab in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah,
2: there's there's geographic reasons for it, but also political reasons for it being here.
0: I asked Robin about her favorite stories from Columbia.
2: So my work is with historic house museums. And so most Mm -hmm. of my favorite stories kind of come from those places. Probably one that I find most compelling is the story of Celia Mann, Mm -hmm. She was a woman who was born enslaved in Charleston and came to Columbia in the 1840s. She and her husband arrived here and somehow acquired a piece of property. They were among a very small community of free people of color in Columbia and in South Carolina in general. And they built a home for themselves and their family at a time that it was very challenging to do that. Celia Mann was a midwife, and so she served both black and white communities again prior to the Civil War, and so it's this really kind of empowering story, I think, of women in South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, of women in color, and again, folks who I think are not well represented in the narratives of South Carolina's history.
0: I've visited the Man Simon site. Oh, it is good. it is a really special and powerful story to walk yeah. through. I appreciate how organizations like Historic Columbia make that accessible to people in the city and, and visitors. What is it about that story, Celia's story, that moves you in particular?
2: Yeah, I think that there's part of it, certainly her story itself, that she was able to navigate this very challenging social structure, political structure as well, with what appears to have been a lot of grace, but also a lot of, a lot of might, Right. Um, She was she really was seemingly willing to push boundaries in ways that would have been really challenging for folks at the time. Also, she had three daughters or four daughters, rather, three of whom left South Carolina and one of whom stayed here. And the house that we manage, the Man Simon site, is actually one that her daughter built during Reconstruction. And so the story of Celia Man is not only about her own ability to kind of shift in these very challenging situations, but also that she established a kind of foundation for her family. And that site in particular, there were then four subsequent generations who lived and and worked on that site. And I think it's just this great sort of setup for a woman who had very little, but was able to build this, what we think of now as this opportunity to raise a black middle-class during the Jim Crow era. And it's really her example, I think, that set up her family for the kind of success that they had over generations.
0: The Man Simon site is just one of the areas managed by historic Columbia, one of several that are relevant to the struggle for civil rights in the U.S. According to Robin, there are other important historical narratives emerging from Columbia, and some of them are stories people may not expect to hear. Are there any other historical narratives you've worked on that people may find surprising or out of place for South Carolina? So
2: when I think about stories that are surprising, there's another project that we have worked on in partnership with the Women's Rights and Empowerment Network that is called the Columbia City of Women. And this is a project that was kind of modeled after a a woman named Rebecca Solnit, her work in the 21st century. She took the subway map of New York City and removed all the names from it, which mostly were of white men, and replaced those with names of women women of all occupations who were in New York in different time periods and lived in different areas. And so the the idea was that we have all of these public spaces that are named for Mostly men and and mostly white men. And she wanted to flip that narrative. And so Rachel Hodges, who was a former first lady of South Carolina, came to me and to Ann Warner, who's the director of the Women's Rights and Empowerment Network, and loved this story and wanted to see if we could do this in Columbia. because. When we look at names of streets or ways that women are represented in public space, there certainly is a very large gap. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to rectify that. We have also done a lot of work recently. We launched a project a year ago in October on the LGBTQ community in Columbia, and that's an entirely web-based project, but we do look at places that are significant to that community too. I have really spent, I think, the last 15 years looking for stories that again, have not been well represented in the public sphere.
0: How do residents react to these stories that you curate and present to the public? So it depends. I think that there are some
2: folks who come to Columbia or come to historic house museums with an expectation of a Southern narrative that is glorified, I think, in ways that we don't do at our properties, ensuring that the stories that we tell are accurate Mm -hmm. And again, representative of all the people who may have lived or worked at those places. And so I think that people, when they recognize that what we are doing is kind of sharing this broad spectrum, there certainly is an appreciation for that.
0: Many people do have biases and stereotypical views of Southern history and South Carolina history by extension. How do you challenge those biases as a historian? The work
2: I think that we do is certainly to help folks recognize that history is complex mm-hmm. right and the stories that we have been told for generations you know history is told by the winner i know everyone has, mm-hmm. has heard that sort of line and so we have really worked to ensure that there are a lot of different voices And it doesn't mean that the story that you might expect to hear in Columbia or in South Carolina is completely canceled out at these sites. It's just told with a lot more depth. Mm -hmm. We really encourage people to ask questions. We encourage people on our tours to talk to each other so that it's a dialogue about history. And everybody comes to it from a different perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Not just the folks who are coming to do tours, but the people who are talking about themselves. And so it's just a matter, I think, Think of making sure that your history is based in fact mm-hmm. and that you are open to sharing a variety of perspectives in those spaces.
0: How can people support the work going on with Historic Columbia?
2: Historic Columbia is a nonprofit organization and we are a member-based organization. So much of our support comes from folks who contribute from that perspective. The sites that we manage are actually owned by the city and the county, so we get a ton of support from local government. And so finding ways to just encourage elected officials to support the work is also a great way to to support HC. And then we also have a really, folks can find this on the website, but a really robust schedule of public programs that range from maybe a lunch and learn to a behind the scenes tour. So we've got a great tour coming up with the Bull Street campus and we'll often kind of get out into the community to find really cool preservation projects and to get people inside of those buildings and to share some of those more dynamic stories as well.
0: Robin presents Columbia as a complete package, a place filled with historical significance, art, music, and so much vibrance.
2: I hope that folks recognize how lucky we are to live in a place that has access to the sort of resources that we have available to us, from the food scene to the museum scene to the access to natural resources. Columbia is a unique place. And there are lots of folks who just say city center, best thing about Columbia is that it's two hours from the coast and two hours from the mountains. But it really I think there's so much here that makes us a really viable and unique space that is just much more than that.
0: Columbia isn't just the center of the state. It's at the intersection of different cultures, movements, and ideas. Visitors can take in unique murals and sculptures, a thriving music scene, and some interesting history as well. And that kind of creativity it rides here. doesn't have to move to another place to grow, to make it big. That secret sauce I talked about earlier, maybe it's this. No matter what passions or dreams you have, you can make Columbia a part of it. Well, that's it for this episode of the Palmetto Port. Thank you to our guests, Darius Rucker and Robin Waits. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. Leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us get the word out. And to find out more about Columbia or any of the towns featured on our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. The Palmetto Porch is produced by Discover South Carolina in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team at Pod People, Ashton Carter, Michael Aquino, and Kim Wong. Thanks so much for joining us, y'all. We'll see you next time on the Palmetto Porch.